You're listening to the Earn That Body Podcast, episode number 299. Welcome to the Earn That Body Show with Kim Eagle. Kim is an award-winning personal trainer. She trains her clients all over the world online and is passionate about empowering people by getting fit and healthy. Welcome back, everyone. This is Kim Eagle with the Earn That Body podcast, and we have a fun episode today. It's myth or fact, and it's funny because a lot of these might surprise you. Some of these you've heard before, and you're thinking to yourself probably as I go through them, was that a myth or is it a fact? I can never remember. And some of these might actually educate you a little bit about weight loss, about our stomachs, about the foods that we eat. So really it's a great topic because not only is it kind of fun because I'm gonna give you a chance to sit and think if it's a myth or a fact, but then I also wanna educate you as to why it is a myth or a fact and then you're going to gain so much value from that and be able to put it into play in your life, in your health, in your nutrition. So we are going to talk about all of that, but I did want to just let you know that the February sessions are now open for five week earn that body and recommit and private nutrition. So um, I only have a few spots left actually for all of them in February that the month definitely has filled up a little bit faster than I realized it would, but that's all a good thing. But if you are struggling with your nutrition, maybe the, the reality of whatever plan you started for yourself for New Year's is just not working for you, let me help you. It's all I do. I've been doing it for over 12 years and I have so many great programs that will fit your goal because not every program fits for everyone. So some people want a food log. Sometimes people do not. Sometimes people need workout programs. Sometimes they do not, but they want to change their body or they want to lose weight. Some people even need to gain weight or gain muscle. So many different goals with so many different program options. So never hesitate to reach out. Kim at earnthatbody.com. Let me know your goals and I will let you know which program is best for you. So back to it after this. And now, it's time for the Eagle's Eye on Health. These are Kim's quick tips, latest health news, or piece of weekly inspiration. In today's Eagle Eye on Health, coming to you from U.S. News, they did an article that is titled, Why is American Food So Unhealthy? And it really does amaze me that America is such an incredible country, right? And yet we are one of the most unhealthy, most obese countries around. And it just makes you wonder, well, what's going on here? If we're so smart and we're so great at so many things, although I think we've been better in the past, but that <laughs> that we will leave there. Uh, why is it that American food is so unhealthy? Well, this is what they said. They said, it's no secret the standard American diet is at the root of the obesity epidemic and many of its associated diseases. But why is American food so unhealthy? It's not just that Americans eat too much, which they definitely do, but it's also what they eat that's unhealthy. They eat a lot of fat and sugar, salt, and let me tell you, a ton of ultra processed foods. Now, according to the Dietary Guidelines of Americans, the average American diet consists of excess salt, excess saturated fat, refined grains, calories from solid fats, and added sugars. Americans also eat fewer vegetables, fewer fruits, fewer whole grains, dairy products, and oils than recommended. Nearly 42% of American adults are obese, statistics from the U.S. Center for Disease Control and Prevention show. 42% 
42%, you guys, that's a lot. Now, one reason may be that healthy foods are often more expensive, excuse me, more expensive than packaged foods. Packaged foods tend to have higher amounts of salt, refined grains, sugar, unhealthy oils, and they're not recommended by the CDC dietary guidelines. Now, the CDC notes that high blood pressure, high cholesterol caused by consuming too much salt are the leading causes of heart disease and stroke. And current guidelines recommend getting less than 2,300 milligrams of salt a day. But guess what, everyone? Most Americans consume over 3,400 milligrams a day. Side note, when my clients work with me on nutrition, Sodium levels are probably the most eye-opening thing they had no idea because most people do not track sodium. I want my clients to have a very balanced diet and so I make them track sodium too and it is eye-opening, let me tell ya. All right, so what is the culprit of this for America? More than 70% of the salt that Americans eat come from packaged, processed, store-bought, and restaurant foods. Ultra-processed foods are designed to fire up cravings and desire for these foods, and advertising, which is everywhere, reinforces those urges. And that's really sad. They actually make the food so that you crave it, you desire it, and it's not healthy. If only they could do that with broccoli, right? So it's not the fault of the consumer that they long for these ultra-processed foods, but it is up to us to recognize the manipulation of food, or I should say by food companies, and to take control of what we choose to eat. Because everyone, we do have that choice. What we eat, where we go to eat, eating out night after night, all of these are a choice that you make. Choosing unhealthy foods does more than put weight on your body because being overweight or obese ups the odds of developing type 2 diabetes. And among U.S. adults, 96 million have pre-diabetes according to the CDC. Diabetes can lead to poor circulation resulting in amputations and the blood sugar disease is also linked to vision loss and kidney disease. These are not things that you want to battle as you get older, trust me. Now, in addition, the, CDD, the CDC says an unhealthy diet can increase the risk of some cancers. Eating unhealthy food and drinks can lead to chronic conditions that put people at higher risk of at least 13 types of cancer. That includes uterine cancer, breast cancer in postmenopausal women, and colon cancer. Colon cancer is also associated with eating red and processed meat. Now, part of the problem, according to the CDC, is access to healthy food. Food is all around people, but much of it is not healthy. The grocery stores have aisles upon aisles of foods packed with sugar, salt, and unhealthy fats. Only a fraction of the store space is devoted to healthy vegetables, fruits, whole grains. The agency says that more access to healthy foods is needed in communities, at work, and at school. The Physicians Committee for Responsible Medicine urges people to switch to plant-based diets rich in fruits, vegetables, and whole grains. Your diet should limit carbohydrates, red meat, and dairy. Now, my two cents on that, you do not 
have to only eat a plant-based diet. And sometimes when people hear they have to switch to a plant-based diet, they think that plant-based means you cannot have meat. That actually is not what a plant-based diet is. Plant-based just simply means that more and most of the foods that you eat are from plants, but you can still have chicken and you can still have ground turkey and you can still have meat. And that's an important source of protein for a lot of people, including dairy. So don't think that going plant-based means you have to become a vegetarian. It just means the majority of your plate will come from plants. And that is super important for sure. Now, I think the saddest part about this article to me is the fact that it costs more for people to eat healthy. It absolutely kills me that it costs more to get an organic apple than one that is sprayed with pesticides. But that is the reality of the farming world we live in, or I should say in our country, that is the reality of what it's looking like. And so for me, gardening has become a very large part of my life because I am so passionate about what I put into my body. I want it to be organic, and I also don't want to spend a million dollars at Whole Foods every week. So when I started gardening, it really encouraged me to open up, first of all, my eyes to so many different vegetables that I was never eating because I always went up and down the same aisle at the market and got the same vegetables I always got. I never tried anything new. And when I started gardening, I realized there were so many other things that I could try and that might fit my zone best. Things that grow where you live might not grow where someone else lives. And it really taught me a lot about how much I value food. And that is definitely a topic that we're gonna talk about uh, again in the podcast is, is valuing the food that you eat. How can you value the food you eat if it's processed, if it's full of chemicals, if it's full of dye? That's not something you're valuing. And if you value your body, which you should because it's the temple that you've been given and you only get one. If you value your body, you should value what you put into it. So again, it really, it brings my heart an ache because it costs more to eat healthy. And I feel for people who can't afford to go out there and get the healthier option. But I will tell you this, often I see these same people who tell me that they cannot afford afford organic food, but they can afford Starbucks every day. Let me tell you, if you stop going to Starbucks every day, you can apply that money towards organic food and you'll probably have money left over. So don't don't just give me that right away that you can't afford it because I want you to think carefully of maybe where you can cut back to get the foods that aren't processed, that are organic, that are pesticide-free, that will value your body in a sense as well as much as you should be. So watch what you put into it and just know that the American diet is unfortunately so unhealthy because of the foods that are available in America. The foods I should say that are available, you know, to grab because you can go to the market and try to stick to the perimeter, which is generally where you're going to get the meat the vegetables, the fruits, versus those middle aisles, which is just box upon box, bag upon bag of processed foods. So things to think about always, Eagle's Eye on Health is always here to sort of help you just reevaluate, reeducate, and remind you of the important things and things that are also in the news uh, topics going on today. 
Now, let's make it fun, let's make it myth, let's make it fact. What is it? I'm gonna give you guys a statement and then in your mind, and if you got the kids in the car, have them play too for sure, because this is definitely a good one. Decide if this is a myth or this is a fact. These have to do with the foods we eat, weight loss, our stomach, and all kinds of other things. Let's get started with the first one. But right before I do, I just wanna let you know that this came from WebMD, it came from Healthline, it came from Cleveland Clinic as well. I got all kinds of myths and facts from different sources today. So the first one, myth or fact? If you cut down on your food intake, you'll eventually shrink your stomach so you won't be as hungry. Think about that for a second. I'll repeat it for you. If you cut down on your food intake, you'll eventually shrink your stomach so you won't be as hungry. What do you think, team? Myth or fact? It is in fact a myth. <laughs> Tricky way to say it. It is a myth because once you are an adult, your stomach pretty much remains the same size. Unless you have surgery to intentionally make it smaller, eating less will not shrink your stomach but it can help to reset your appetite thermostat, as they call it, so that you won't feel as hungry and it may be easier to stick with your eating plan. So it's not shrinking your stomach and sometimes people think that if you put yourself into this sort of hunger phase that your stomach will shrink down, your actual organ stomach is not shrinking. That is not what it is doing. <coughs> Excuse me, myth or fact, thin people, have naturally smaller stomachs than people who are heavy. What do you think of that one? Thin people have naturally smaller stomachs than people who are heavy, myth or fact. That one is another myth. While it may seem hard to believe, the size of the stomach does not correlate with weight or weight control. People who are naturally thin can have the same size or even larger stomachs than people who battle their weight throughout a lifetime. Weight has nothing to do with the size of the stomach. In fact, even people who have had stomach reducing surgeries, making their tummy, as they call it, no larger than a walnut, can override the small size and still gain weight. So again, that stomach, it's not changing size and it doesn't have anything to do if you're thin or if you are heavy. Number three, myth or fact. Exercises like sit-ups or abdominal crunches can reduce the size of your stomach. Just FYI, clearly we are in the stomach section <laughs> of our myth and facts. Exercises like sit-ups or abdominal crunches can reduce the size of your stomach. Yeah, you probably all got this one. That's a myth. There is no exercise that can change the size of an organ. And your stomach is an organ. I didn't say your abdominal muscles. I said your stomach, right? But it can help you burn the layers of fat that can accumulate on the outside of the stomach, right? So abdominal crunches and sit-ups can help tighten the muscles in your abdomen, the area of the body that is just south of the diaphragm and that houses the stomach and many other internal organs. So it is great to do sit-ups and abdominal crunches if you are trying to tighten up your abdominal muscles, but it is not gonna have anything to do with the size of your stomach. 
All right, myth or fact. Foods that contain insoluble fiber. That, you guys, is not, the, the fiber does not dissolve in water. If it is an insoluble fiber, it does not dissolve in water. Does food that contains insoluble fiber cause less gas and bloating than foods with soluble fiber, and soluble fiber does dissolve in water? Myth or fact? It is a fact. Most folks are astounded to discover that what they perceived as a gentler form of fiber, the soluble kind found in foods like oat bran, beans, peas, and citrus fruits, can actually cause more gas and even more bloating than the insoluble fiber found in foods like whole wheat bread, wheat cereals, even cabbage, beets, and carrots. So the reason is that gas and bloating result from the intestinal flora that is needed to digest the soluble fiber. Since insoluble fiber is not digested at all, it actually goes right through you and there's no interaction with intestinal flora. Consequently, no gas is formed. So that's a little trivia for you and a fact. Number five, myth or fact, eating before bed can make you gain weight faster than if you eat the same foods during the day. What do you think? Eating before bed can make you gain weight faster than if you eat the same foods during the day. Guess what? It is a myth, team. Most experts agree that we gain weight when we take in more calories than we burn. And while it seems logical that foods we eat during an active day will burn more quickly and maybe even more efficiently than foods we eat right before going to sleep, it is actually the case that we are gaining weight not based on a 24-hour clock. It's the total amount you take in over a period of time, like the 24 hours in the day compared to how much you burn that determines if you will gain weight. And recent animal studies suggest that avoiding after dinner snacks, they may in fact help prevent weight gain. Eating at night may disrupt the body's circadian clock and alter hormones that control appetite and ultimately result in weight gain. That said, you should be reminded that when we are fatigued or stressed, eating right before bedtime, that actually makes digestion more difficult and may cause gas and bloating and heartburn. They say there is sort of a brain in the gut and that it helps to make sure that food is moved through the digestive system at the right pace, in the right amount. And when we are fatigued, like at bedtime, like most of us are at the end of a busy day, right? that gut brain, they say it's also fatigued. And so there's a decrease in the number of contractions that move food through your system. So it's kind of interesting because at the end of the day, it doesn't matter when you eat the calories, that's really the fact um, that makes it the myth. But what you should understand is that eating right before bed will impact I don't wanna say your metabolism, but in a sense, it's gonna impact your sleeping the most, in my opinion. So when you eat right before bed, 
your body is still digesting and you kind of can't shut down your mental capacity and go to sleep really deeply. Have you ever eaten a really large meal and then struggled to sleep well at night? Oh, that happens to me and I hate it. I'm always, if I'm awake, I'm usually can tell right away if I just had like a really huge meal. So it's like your body is doing all this work for digestion and it's interfering with your sleep. And when our sleep is interfered, we're not getting that release in hormones that are going to help with weight loss. So in fact, it's not the calories and how many calories you eat right before bed. It's more that eating before bed then disrupts your sleep with all these other functions. So something to think about, you never want to eat a lot before bed. If you can make lunch your biggest meal, that is always better than making dinner your biggest meal. And I always notice that I sleep best on the nights that I do not overeat. That is something you want to think about. Number six, myth or fact. A 200 calorie snack of peanut butter and crackers is more likely to control your appetite than just eating 200 calories worth of crackers. What do you think? Does the peanut butter and crackers control your appetite more than the regular crackers if it's the same amount of calories? The answer is fact. The reason, fats digest much slower than carbohydrates and they remain in your stomach longer, which means we naturally feel full longer after eating a snack that contains at least some fat. Additionally, they point out that simple carbohydrates those are like your crackers and your bread and your cookies. They elicit a quick rise in blood sugar and insulin levels, which subsequently leads to a drop just as quickly, which gives you a dramatic shift in mood and even appetite. So in short, you find yourself a little more edgy and a little more hungry when you just eat the carbohydrates alone. Adding that little bit of peanut butter is enough fat to actually satiate you much more. So when I have a fruit, I try to always have some kind of fat or protein fat with it. So for example, at night, during the week, I don't have sweet treats. I always lean on some kind of fruit. So my go-to is an apple with one or two tablespoons of peanut butter. If I just eat the apple, I often find I'm still hungry afterwards. It's like I'm just not satiated fully. But as soon as I add just a tablespoon of peanut butter, I feel completely great after. Like I'm full and I feel good and I don't feel like I need more. So even though the calories might be the same, adding that bit of fat is going to make all the difference. Of course, over the day, you have to balance all that out. If you just eat fat all day, well, that's gonna be a problem elsewhere. But when it comes to this one, a 200 calorie snack, peanut butter and crackers, or just crackers, the same calories, the one that will make you full longer is gonna be the one with a little bit of fat. All right, number seven, myth or fact, or actually I should say, yeah, number seven, we are right. Supplements can help you lose weight. What do you think, team? Can supplements help you lose weight? That is a myth, my friends. Now, let me tell you this. We talk about it a lot. I've done podcast episodes on supplements. You know how I feel. But a lot of people lean on supplements for weight loss, especially this time of year. The whole New Year's thing is happening, and someone hears that this supplement's going to help you 
lose weight, it's gonna reduce your appetite, it's gonna do all these things. The weight loss supplement industry, it's a gazillion dollar market team. Various companies claim that their supplements have dramatic effects, but guess what? They are rarely very effective when they have actually been studied. The main reason that supplements work for some people is actually from the placebo effect. People fall for the marketing tactics, tactics, and let me tell you, the marketing is really good. That's their job, to make you think that it's gonna do this. And they want the supplements to help them lose weight. So guess what? They become more conscious of what they're eating. And when you're more conscious of what you're eating, you lose weight. But it wasn't because the supplement actually had some kind of chemical reaction in their body and led to weight loss. Now, that said, there are a few supplements that have a modest effect on weight loss. The best ones may help you shed a small amount of water weight. That's not true weight loss, just so you know. I can have you lose water weight in a day without any supplements at all. So it is a myth if you think that there is a supplement out there that can help you lose weight, you really are not going to get any weight loss from any supplement. As I always say, and I mean no harm when I say this, but if there was a supplement out there that worked for weight loss, Oprah would be using it, she'd be super skinny, and she'd be telling you all about it, right? But she hasn't found it yet. All right, the next one, number eight. Diet foods can help you lose weight. Now I'm talking about diet foods, so not a supplement, but you know diet foods? How about just diet soda, right? Diet soda says what? That it's going to help you in your weight loss generally. That's generally why people pick the diet soda, because they want to lose weight and they think if they drink the regular soda, that's not going to benefit them at all. That is a myth. There are no diet foods that are going to help you lose weight. A lot of junk food is marketed as healthy. Again, it's a huge marketing thing. If our country really wanted to do something good, they would come in and change the marketing of food because it is absolutely crushing America. Examples include low-fat, fat-free, and processed gluten-free foods, as well as high-sugar beverages. You should be skeptical of any health claims on foods that have packaging, especially on the processed items. When the labels say things like low-fat, fat-free, gluten-free, that doesn't mean it's healthy. Some junk food marketers are going to encourage you to buy their fattening junk food. They are going to package it in a way that makes it look and sound healthy but it is absolutely not. And oftentimes products marketed as diet foods are junk foods in disguise and they are so heavily processed and may have so many hidden ingredients in them. So you really wanna avoid anything, anything that says diet, I would run away from. And just absolutely don't drink diet soda because that's also gonna mess with your hormones And diet sodas messing with your hormones means it's gonna make your weight loss even tougher. So if you are someone who is completely addicted to diet soda, I'm gonna tell you right now, wean off of it and you might see weight loss just from that. But don't get hung up on those terms like diet, low fat, fat fat-free, sugar-free, even gluten-free. 
is not necessarily going to be a healthy option. And it's certainly not going to help you lose weight if you only eat those foods. The next one, and our last myth or fact of the day, back to gluten. It says going gluten-free is the solution to weight loss. Myth or fact? What do you think? Gluten-free, if you decide, I'm gonna go gluten-free, that that is going to be the solution to weight loss? That is unfortunately a myth, all right? It is just not true and it's sort of sad because so many people see gluten-free as a healthier option. I don't know why, I don't know when that started. If you don't have celiac disease, if you don't have some kind of gluten intolerance, you do not need to go gluten-free. It is not helping you lose weight. And in reality, many commercial gluten-free items are higher in calories than the regular food, higher in carbohydrates, higher in preservatives, higher in sugar, higher in sodium, and they can actually lead to weight gain over time. Gluten-free foods are often lower in fiber as well. So that means when you eat this food, you generally don't feel full. And if you had eaten the non-gluten-free option for that same food, you probably would feel more satisfied. Now, gluten-free diets are medically necessary for anyone with celiac disease. And they can lead to weight loss if done properly for those people. But I'm going to tell you right now, going gluten-free is not a weight loss strategy. And again, you're gonna be taking in more chemical type foods by going gluten-free. So I just think that you should ignore that unless, like I said, your celiac disease uh, or your intolerance is so great. And then you just might avoid those kinds of foods in general instead of just going to gluten-free. So there you have it. Lots of myths, lots of facts, so many things to just help remind us what's important, what isn't. Is it a myth? Is it a fact? You know, we all want the quick solution, whether it's to be healthier, to be thinner, to look better, whatever it is, we're always we're always leaning towards the quick solution and that's where they get you with the marketing. I would say any any product or program that ever says fast, you should run the other way. If it says like fast weight loss, <laughs> no. There's no such thing as anything fast, anything quick, anything of true value in life, like your health, losing weight, it's gonna take time. Nothing happens overnight, in my opinion, that's really fantastic for you. So. Anything like that you wanna avoid, just remember always reaching for the real food product is always gonna be the healthier option. You're not gonna be able to pick a food that's gonna shrink your stomach. That's just not gonna happen, team. The way that you kind of get rid of that belly, if that's what you're thinking, your stomach is more of like the belly fat and you want a six pack, that's all a much different thing than saying I want to shrink my stomach. You do want to reach for a balanced diet and that means healthy carbohydrates, not, not getting rid of carbohydrates, protein, healthy fats, vegetables, fruit, whole grains, healthy oils, that is where you're going to get a flatter stomach versus shrinking your stomach. So there you have it. The myths, the facts, Earn That Body is always here to bring you fitness, health, and nutrition information. 
you can put into play right away. I'll see you next week. For more information about Kim Eagle's online programs, go to earnthatbody.com or check out Earn That Body on all forms of social media, including Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest, and YouTube. 